1: Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of leading conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. This
2: is Cheryl Esposito. Today we have a wonderful guest. We are very proud to have Mark Silver join us this morning. He's the founder of The Heart of Business. He's a business teacher, and he calls himself a business healer. Mark tells us that uh, he has failed horribly in business and has succeeded beautifully at each turn, and we're going to really want to hear a lot about that. Mark, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you. Glad to be here.
2: It's great to have you here today. So tell us where you are this morning.
3: Portland, Oregon,
2: and um,
3: it's actually sunny, which we're enjoying.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sun in the northwest. It is gorgeous Uh, (laughs) when it's sunny, right? Exactly. Yeah, well, we're so pleased to have you here today. Um, You know, a lot of people have a belief that um, business and heart don't mix. Um, We hear the phrase a lot that, um, well, don't take this personally, it's just business. And I understand that you're here to tell us that that's just not so.
3: Well, um, you know, my perspective on things is that it really depends on what you mean by heart. If you mean by heart, you know, always being gushy, nice, nice, smiley, smiley, happy, happy, Mm -hmm. um, then obviously you can't, you know, business can't hold that space all the time. However... Business is where we spend a huge amount for many people the majority of our waking hours and we bring the full breadth of human and our spiritual experiences to that um, to that endeavor right and right. so how could there not be heart hmm. well you know I'm curious
2: to know Mark what got you onto this path you know I mean this is um, clearly something that is important to you, and you've made an entire business out of it, so where did this start for you?
3: Um, It started, uh, (laughs) it's one of those winding paths, you know, it wasn't really clear. I grew up in business. My parents were in a retail store that was my grandfather's since the 30s, and uh, in fact, going back even further than that, there's been entrepreneurs in my family i have just been surrounded by business, and um, I hated it. I hated it. And, uh, <laughs> That's a strong I, statement. <laughs> well, I hated it. It's it it, not that I hated what my parents were doing, but I just, I was so, um, as a as a teenager and a young adult, I was so overcome by what I saw of corporate excess in the world and uh, just the things that just didn't feel right to me. And I spent a lot of time doing activism, nonprofit work. Mm-hmm. And to cut a long story short, because, you know, we're comprising years of Sure. of life journey there, uh, eventually I burned out on the activism and I came back around to, to my spiritual journey and I came back around to small business and they, inter- they intersected in a way that um, made me see a very different possibility of how to be in the world and in fact the way many people already were and those who weren't seemed to be really yearning for it and it, um, it all kind of sprung out of that. Oh, that's
2: very interesting. So tell us the kinds of things you saw that just felt like excess to you. Well, how would you describe those things?
3: Well, um, I, a perfect example is I was just earlier watching a, um, a video from the Yes Men. I don't know if you're familiar with the Yes Men. They describe themselves as corporate watchdogs who bite and the, uh, they they've uh, they do identity correction they were uh, this particular segment they had put up a uh, for the 20th anniversary of the Bhopal incident in India with Dow the Dow chemical company um they'd put up a website that uh, mimicked the Dow company website and the BBC ended up calling them instead of Dow for a statement and they sent a you know a spokesperson on and uh, made uh, Utterly true statements about what happened, and that they were going to take full responsibility. And anyway, just basically kind of outlining that out of fear, out of um, attachment to profit over responsibility. Uh, you know, there. You know, we're picking on down this particular case, but there's many, many companies out there that have um, people have made decisions. We see this in the current financial situation that sure. the economy is facing, where people have made decisions out of fear that they weren't going to be okay, that they couldn't afford to do the right thing. Mm. And, um, and there was a lot, uh, there a huge cost in terms of uh, pain and suffering and, um, and in terms of human spirit, human spirit being worn down. Mm.
2: Well, there certainly are a lot of examples of that, you know, that situation that happened all those years ago um, in India. Um, it took Dow a long time to take responsibility for that at all, right. even to acknowledge that it existed. And um, it, it, I, I think that feels to me like it was the beginning of a turning point where people of the world said, wait a minute, you know, I don't think this is okay. And um, and people, some people spoke up very loudly about that, and others were like, hmm. I just think it's not okay, and I, I see that really as a beginning of a movement toward um, the expectation of social responsibility
3: well what well, there's been yeah i mean there's a long history of it you know that goes back um uh you know up to sinclair and the, you know the yeah. you know back to the turn of the century and and back to the eighteen hundreds and before that it's a there's a there's a long long history of this struggle and and it's something that i I don't think it's Useful to create sides around it, mm-hmm. um, you know, the good and the bad. I the, sure. you know, have a lot of compassion because I think that all of us are familiar with facing decisions in our lives where um, where the choices are, are challenging and that we're confronted with our own personal fears about what the outcome would be if we took responsibility. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, I, you know, we face all of this, you know, in small ways and in large ways. And this is something that comes home to us very strongly in business where the feedback loop is very quick, um, very rapid, especially when you're trying to care for your family Mm -hmm. and you're trying to, you know, keep the roof over your head and food on the table.
2: Right, right. So do you think that small businesses um, get that feedback faster than large corporations? Um
3: well we saw some large corporations get some very quick feedback over the last year or two yeah, so sure. it can come very quickly i was just reading um Jim Collins latest book how the mighty fall yeah. and uh this can happen very quickly however i think that for small businesses by and large that don't have cash reserves that you know aren't dealing in numbers that are in the millions or the multi millions um, it comes very quickly we tend to be Directly in contact, the person who's in the head of the company, uh, oftentimes that's the only person involved in the company,
2: (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. is
3: uh, directly in contact with the customers, and so the feedback comes very quickly. Mm -hmm. So you
2: call yourself a business teacher and a business healer. Talk to us about the business healer.
3: Well, here's the thing. Business is not necessarily rocket science. There's a lot. There's plenty to learn, and there's plenty to know, but it's it's not that complicated at its core. You know, it, you don't have to go get a PhD um, to know how to run a small business. It, it does take some study, but it's it's not that hard. The main issues that come up have to do with the main reasons why people fail. Have to do with how they implement what they learn around business. And often what keeps us from implementing or implementing effectively are at heart emotional and spiritual issues, issues of if I do this, you know, am I, is there going to be love for me? Is there going to be acceptance for me? Is there, you know, are, are people, and when I say love, I'm going to take a very strong stand and say this is a this is a critical point around love and acceptance mm-hmm. because it's one of the main things that stops people, for instance, from marketing effectively. Um, because they think that they're going to risk people's approval or risk people's really acceptance. I mean, we're really talking about love and care. And these are, at heart, spiritual issues. And I I don't think they can be solved just by doing ABC technically. You know, they they have to be looked at at the heart level also in order to be able to implement strategy effectively.
2: So when you talk about love and acceptance, are you talking about um, love of your work and acceptance of self? or you know, What is it you're talking about?
3: What are we talking about when we talk about love? I think it's, it's, a, it's a topic that's been you know, faced for thousands of years by mystics and poets and, and all sorts of people. I, love for me is an expression of divine presence. It's a, it's a, it's a spiritual thing. We can't create it. We can't manufacture it. We can receive it. We can um, fill up with it. We can share it. We can transmit it and share it to, with others. Um, but we can't physically manufacture it. And so this love is this um, kind of wordless, nameless experience of, um, of love. You know, I, I, it, it, goes, it goes beyond words. I think we're all familiar with that swelling in our hearts that comes when we when we feel love, and um, and that can be expressed in any number of directions. It can be around our work. It can be for colleagues. Um, it can be you know with customers or with products or with anything. This this deep appreciation and um, uh, recognition that there's something beautiful in front of us uh, in whatever form we find it.
2: And the acceptance
3: acceptance is, I think, something that we struggle with in particular in this culture. Acceptance is, um, you know, are we acceptable if we don't produce? You know, are we acceptable just as we are? You know, when we feel broken, when we feel run down, when we are suffering under the illusion that something's wrong with us or that we haven't quite got it together or that we're somehow less than perfect, which we are, are we acceptable? You know, to, are we say, acceptable?
2: Yeah. Good question, Mark. We're going to talk more about this when we come back right after this break.
1: Are you ready to become a global citizen of the world? What would it be like to share your future with people of all ages from around the world who have one major thing in common? A commitment to make a difference with no language, religion, or age barriers. Make a difference in this world. Come to Bali this summer for an experience of a lifetime. Awakening Global Action, a seven-day gathering that will change your world. Call 866-458-2254 or visit our website at www.baliinstitute.org. You are the leader the world has been waiting for. Call today.
0: Parents, did you know that high school dropouts make 42% less than graduates? Someone will have to make up that difference, and chances are, that will be you. That means paying 42% of their groceries. Ooh, more candy. 42% of their dentist bills.
2: No, no more candy.
0: Even forty-two percent of their therapy sessions. Oh my dad's fault! Save your money. Encourage your kids to stay in school. For help and advice, call 877-F-O-R-A-K-I-D. A message from the U.S. Army and the Ad Council.
1: Consulting, developing leaders worldwide.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl.
2: Welcome back. We're speaking with Mark Silver today, founder of Heart of Business. So, Mark, you have said um, in the past that you are you have a lot of experience at failure in business, (laughs) and um, and you talk about that very openly. And and you pair that with you know that and you have been succeeded beautifully at each turn. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the way you position that. So, tell us a little bit about your failures. because I know that a lot of people have such a fear of failure. Right. And there's this belief that, you know, you get into business, you can only move forward towards success, and if anything else happens, it's not acceptable. Right. So talk, talk about your own experience.
3: Yeah, well, you know, I hate, I, I, at least in the past, I've, I've come to enjoy failure, but I've, I've always, I, I had hated failure as yeah. much as anybody. Um, and I think probably the place where I felt most like a failure is, uh, I had um I had been self-employed for just a few years my wife had been actually fewer than I. I was pretty new at it I'd already had one venture that hadn't worked out and I was in actually the earlier st- the earliest stages of this business the the business that it was prior to this when I was doing more design work which I'm not very good at thank you very much um and uh we I'd gone unconscious around tracking the money closely and the end of the month came and I was $3,000 shy of what we needed and um, and we, I don't quite know how I, I, I still to this day don't know how I got that far behind because wow. it was it was an insane amount of money for the kind of life that we were living at that point you know sure. rent at home and et cetera. And it was um, I was overcome by such fear I was like, something hit me like I hit a wall and I was literally on the ground sobbing in fear and uh, my my uh, my wife was, was, thank God, Holly was right there with me, and um, I uh, I called my parents, which I had, you know, just <laughs> you can imagine. It's like, wow, getting help. It's insane. Uh, <laughs> oh, and uh, you know, luckily they were in a position to help us financially in that moment. But the but the issue wasn't about the money. The bigger piece was that my dad then shared with me for the first time in my life that that he and my mother had struggled when they were starting out, and they had gotten help. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just didn't know that. I didn't know that people got help. I didn't know that it was okay to get help. Mm -hmm. And I also didn't know that people got into hard situations, that that was just a normal part of life. And what I've come to see is that Failure serves on two different levels, one on, you know, in two different areas. Failure for me has served as a tremendous learning process because, uh, business for me is, um, you know, there's an art to it. There's certainly a science, but there's an art to it. And, and it's about kind of figuring it out as I go along and correcting as I go. You know, a thousand people have talked about that and I won't go into too much detail with it, but it's, it's, you know, you have to, You have to correct as you go. But the second part that I think is even more helpful um, is this piece about help, is this piece about vulnerability and neediness. It's like, what if it was okay for me to admit that I don't have all the answers and to receive help? And the more that I've done that um, in a spiritually centered way, I don't mean in a messy kind of bleeding heart way where I'm just kind of, you know, Falling all over people, but it's like there's a there's a place where you can be centered spiritually in your mm. in your heart and still admit vulnerability and weakness. So much help has come. So many people want to help, and uh, and I attribute that uh, a great deal of the success that we've had to just that quality, that willingness. In fact, I now say when clients or people come to me that one of the key um, indicators for success is are people willing to ask for help?
2: Well, you know, it seems that, um, I know you work with a lot of entrepreneurs, and it it seems like people who are entrepreneurial step out uh, of the corporate structure or a structured business life um, because they're fairly independent and they see things differently. And so it seems like it would be hardwired into them not to ask for help.
3: Yes, and I would say that in the same way, I mean, I'm not a big expert in corporate environments, but I'm also thinking that even in corporate environments, people, um, you know, there's a risk if you admit that you have, that you need help, are you going to be considered for the promotion or are you going to be cut off, you know, laid off at the next round or, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I, I think that our entire culture at every level, entrepreneurial or not, teaches that we need to be self-sufficient and the truth is that we just aren't. And when you when you have the truth of a lack of self sufficiency of needing help, um, and faced with the myth that you should not need help, you kind of create we create a type of um, schizophrenia, a kind of craziness, a crazy feeling in ourselves and in our hearts and our minds that um, that leads people to feel very isolated and alone.
2: Well, and so how do you climb out of that, you know, as an independent business person, or even as somebody in corporate America, no matter how, um, no matter what level of the organization you're in. I mean, I know that I work with a lot of senior leaders, CEOs of in corporations, as well as small business. And when I'm coaching them, what I find is there's this sense of being alone. Yes. And that there's no one for them to talk to. Yes. And, um, and so that, that feeling of, I can't do it. I just can't ask for help. I can't say that I don't know everything. Um, you know, how do you get people to climb out of that?
3: Yeah. <sighs> it's really, really a good question. I think the biggest first step is to really bring a lot of empathy. To that feeling, because it's it's a very strong emotion, and to just try to push past that doesn't feel honoring to the person or what what what's needed. You know, a big a big part of healing, of transformation, is just witnessing where we are. Mm. Wow, I feel really alone. I feel really alone. Um, so many people are have trouble even witnessing that, and that's part of what keeps people running so fast and working so hard. Is trying to avoid that feeling, you know, or some some similarly uncomfortable, painful mm. um, feeling. And so the first part is witnessing. The second part for me is turning it into a question. Um, taking statements instead of switching the statement from one positive to another positive. I'm alone. I'm not alone. You know what? They both feel kind of insane. Instead, start asking what I call the sincere question: Am I alone? Am I really alone? You know, am I really all on my own when there's no help? And when I say a sincere question, I mean, a willingness to be surprised really drop all the evidence that has built up the case that proves what you believe and letting go of that. And then the third piece comes in to me is a, it's a spiritual journey in the heart to begin to reach out beyond the physical senses and, um... And begin whether you, you know, have a prayer practice or whether you, you know, in my tradition, you know, there's a practice called remembrance, there's meditation, there's different types of internal self-inquiry that allows you to find something that that, that can help your heart access something larger.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you, you said something in, when you were talking about um, witnessing, and you said that you know, not only does the individual have trouble being that, you know, letting people see this vulnerable side, but others have trouble witnessing it. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting side to this, you know, that um, that we as individuals in our society and around the world aren't don't know what to do when somebody says, "I need help." <laughs> yeah, right. yeah,
3: well often our reaction is like, oh my god, they need help. It reminds me of how I need help and I'm not willing to witness it and that's why a lot of people go into fix it mode mm-hmm. saying, "Oh my god, that's an uncomfortable feeling. If I fix it, then none of us will have to be uncomfortable, especially me." <laughs> you You're know, right, go away right. with your go away with your discomfort. And so um, when I speak of witnessing, I, again, this is a this is a spiritual it's a spiritual question. I, there's no way around it in my mind. I I don't know any way to fix this without addressing it at a at a level of spirit or divine presence. Um, you know, whatever anybody's beliefs are, uh, I certainly have an experience that there is something beyond the physical world. That there's a that there's a presence and a divine and a oneness and a unity. That our hearts can access and is and can witness and can be aware of and um, connect with, and having the support, having community, having people around you who can help you access that. You know whether you call it God or Hashem or Allah or divine or presence or all that is or all the you know all the many names for this oneness. To have the support. To access that on a consistent w- in a consistent way, mm-hmm. it, to me is the only the only consistent way I've seen that people have broken through. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you continue to spin at a very personal level, at the level of the ego, and it's it's hard to break through. It's hard to break through those um, those beliefs without having some kind of larger truth mm-hmm. accessible. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, you know that speaks to. Um, the need to have some sort of discipline, as you talked earlier, um, whether it's a spiritual practice or um, spending time quietly, or you know, whatever, how, whatever you call it. Uh, and I believe more people are, are beginning to understand that. I also believe that um, people understand it and don't necessarily implement.
3: Yes. Sure.
2: So, and that, and the excuse. Um, beca- or the obstacle becomes, I don't have time. Right. You know, all this craziness is making me crazy and I don't have time to, to undo that.
3: Right. So right.
2: How do you, what do you tell people?
3: Well, um, there are kind of two choices. You can continue to spin in what's going on with you and have it take up another 10 or 20 or 30 years of your life until you're in the grave. Or you can take out 10 or 15 or 20 minutes during the day. I I mean, I I speak kind of facetiously. I don't mean for it to sound harsh, because on some level that is the question. But Mm. when we look at the people who have had the most impact and and like truly global impact, let's talk about people like, Mother Teresa, or we talk about Nelson Mandela, or we talk about Martin Luther King Jr., or we talk about, you know, these people that have had a tremendous impact. And even business leaders that I've spoken to, um, the people who are um, truly successful and happy and balanced, Mm -hmm. they all make time for spiritual practice. Mother Teresa, when faced by the um, immense, overwhelming poverty that she was, you know, wanting to... um, Help. Yeah. Uh, spend hours in prayer every day.
2: Well, we can learn a lot from those people.
3: We're going to speak more with
2: Mark Silver when we come right back.
1: Are you ready to become a global citizen of the world? What would it be like to share your future with people of all ages from around the world who have one major thing in common, a commitment to make a difference with no language, religion or age barriers make a difference in this world. Come to Bali this summer for an experience of a lifetime. Awakening global action, a seven-day gathering that will change your world. Call 866-458-2254 or visit our website at www.baliinstitute.org. You are the leaders the world has been waiting for. Call today. Hi, my name is Aaron and I'm a survivor of mannequinism. Mannequinism is basically when you turn into a hard plastic shell. They say it's from not being politically active. For me, it started when I didn't register to vote. And then I stopped volunteering and before I knew it, I wasn't doing anything. And that's when I found a small patch of plastic on my right shoulder.
0: Protect yourself from mannequinism. Log on to fightmannequinism.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council.
1: Consulting, Developing leaders worldwide.
0: From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network.
1: We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl.
2: Well, welcome back. We're speaking with Mark Silver today, founder of Heart of Business. Now, Mark, you um, you are are noted to be a business healer, and I was interested to learn that you actually trained at the University of Spiritual Healing and Sufism in organizational and business healing. Yes. So, first of all, talk a bit about Sufism and um, help our audience learn more
3: about what that is. Okay. Well. Um, all religions have a mystical path associated with them. And when we talk about the mystical path, you know, whether it's Christianity or Judaism or Hinduism or anything or Islam, the mystical path is concerned with how do the practices of the religion, um, the the spiritual practices, help you actually taste, experience, and live in the divine presence. Like, come to know what's really there instead of just words in a book. Mm -hmm. And Sufism is the mystical path of Islam. And it's, uh, um, you know, got a 1600-year-old lineage. Mm -hmm. And it actually, Sufism, in fact, uh, and Islam itself um, considers itself part of the exact same flow of teachings uh, of Judaism and Christianity. So there's actually 5,000-plus years there Mm -hmm. of Teachings that uh, agree with one another, which mm-hmm. is part of what's so odd about the right. conflict in the world. But anyway, and it's um, and so the the Sufism that I've that I've studied is um, you know in the in the lineage, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and has been an incredible boon to my life. When did you first become connected to Sufism? Um, I first came became connected when. Uh, my wife, who had been struggling with Lyme's disease for many years and had, studied, uh, you know, had tried basically everything, mm-hmm. um, had come across a, a Sufi healer, who, uh, you know, she and she'd been doing a lot of different spiritual and holistic work, and mm-hmm. it just blew her away. The per- a person who was a student wasn't even a healer; they hadn't mm-hmm. even graduated. It was mm-hmm. a student it just blew her away with what she experienced, and. Um, and that's how I initially got connected with it. And I took a workshop and um they said at the end, you know, you can use this healing to heal individuals, you can use it around, you know, illness and things like that, and you can also use it with business and organizations. And I was like, Interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanna find out more there. Mm-hmm. And um I had just been musing about the fact that I needed something deeper to work with clients with mm-hmm. as I was just starting out. Mm-hmm. And um and so I found myself going to the school. Well, and when you say um, that
2: they said you can use this to heal
3: people, businesses, etc., what's the this? Yeah, well, uh, how to describe it? Healing, the 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 process of healing, and I've I've seen a similarity in many different module, you know, modalities of healing, mm-hmm. has to do with how is the healer present with the person who is um, hurting or needing help and using a variety of different uh, methods to support them, not only in a self-inquiry process, but also to um, sometimes without any process or work on the part of the person, just access, directly access and taste, What's available in spiritual realms? We start to sound pretty woo-woo when, when you talk mm-hmm. about it like mm-hmm. this, but I, I, I think we're just talking about something that I can't imagine, but everyone has experienced those moments where you just are aware of the splendor of what's available around you. That's that that heart-opening love, and 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 there are you know proven ways in many different traditions. To open the heart and open the being to accessing that and living that in a consistent way.
2: Mm. And so, to sum up what you're talking about. Are, you know, for instance, when we experience synchronicities, you know, when the the concept of coincidence, it's like something bigger than us must be at play here. Allah, you know, the the Sufism teaching showed up for you just as you were
3: saying, "I need something deeper." Right, and um, it's, yeah, exactly, these, these things um, do show up. I, I do want to make a difference between the synchronicities and the timing that shows up versus trying to create those synchronicities or mm. force them to happen, mm. because uh, in, at least from the perspective of my path, uh, it's really about surrender, it's not about mm. force of will, it's not about trying to create or control things, right. it's about surrender and receiving, and... Uh, there can be very, very challenging situations, and you can still have access to love and peace and wisdom and presence in that way. It, it, the, the external circumstances do not in any way um, explain or prove any particular kind of spiritual attainment. Right? Um, you know, people can be very poor and be very struggling and, and be in a a beautiful spiritual state, and people can be very rich and very, quote-unquote, successful Mm -hmm. and be very disconnected spiritually.
2: Well, that's very true. Um, And, you know, that concept of surrender rather than force of will seems completely counter to how most people move in the business
3: world. It's true. And yet, when you study business, really deeply study it, such as Jim Collins, the way Jim Collins Mm -hmm. has studied business, He's shown and others have shown time and time again that the people who are the most effective are the people who are the most humble, the most surrendered, Mm -hmm. um, the least um, forceful in a certain way. I I mean, not that they're not powerful, not that they're not Mm -hmm. decisive, but they're, you know, that the whole level five leadership that that Jim Collins talks about this. Right. He he. Ta- in fact, his latest book says, you know, one of the things that the very first stage of how the mighty fall, of how the the largest institutions have come crashing crashing down, is when you have hubris and you lose your se- arrogance. You lose your sense of humility and willingness to learn and willingness to really to surrender to what is.
2: Mm-hmm. So. Talk to us a bit about um, you following your own path. You know, what's, it seems to me like you've been doing a really good job of paying attention to what is put in front of you. Mm-hmm. So talk to us a bit about um, how that feels to you. Was that easy for you to do? What, did you have to really talk yourself into that?
3: You talk about it as if it's a done deal. (laughs) It's an an ongoing process, you know. There are uh, one of the things that I've noticed about life, um, at least for me and for the people that I've worked with and are around me, is that um, when I get when I get stuck someplace and I feel like I can't move out of it or move forward, it's often because I'm being held there until I notice the gifts that are available right there. It's as if the divine, if you will, doesn't want me to rush past the most amazing gifts, which Mm. which have been true at every step of the way. And so... Having learned this lesson repeatedly and painfully over time i've come to um, in moments of grace and more and more often remember that when I get stuck somewhere that hmm maybe I ought to stop trying to move out of this stuckness and take a look around and see where I am and see what's really in front of me mm-hmm. i I used to be a paramedic I was a paramedic for um, eight years, and at one point you know i was um, when I was getting my training I was in actually uh, volunteering in rural Rhode Island. And um, they used to give directions on the radio to get to places, like, you know, go on out past where the Smith Farm used to be or, you know, wherever. And I'm like, I haven't been here. I don't know where I'm going. But they would give you landmarks to mm-hmm. go towards, not because that's where you're going, but just because it gets you in going in a certain direction, and then mm-hmm. turn left. And for me, that's been a very strong metaphor that just because it looks like I'm going in a certain direction, it may just be a landmark and not really a destination point.
2: Oh, that's a great metaphor. That's a really great metaphor. What were some of the landmarks in your path?
3: Well, um, I think one of the landmarks for me, um, my wife's illness was a big landmark. You know, we Mm -hmm. thought that we were headed in a certain direction and we didn't, um, you know, and, and we ended up... Uh, not being able to live the life that we thought we were able to live and instead she, the, she recovered eventually um, through a variety of different holistic treatments mm-hmm. and um, we've now ended up just recently um, adopting uh, twin boys oh. that are now six months old and those boys feel like they were really destined we were destined to be family together mm-hmm. and if you know it's like the, I didn't realize what the path was unfolding but we wouldn't have had those boys here if we had gone a different way, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, a, that's a particularly profound example that's very present with me right now. Sure. Um, but, um, you know, th- there's been a variety of, uh, of things like that, that I feel like mm-hmm. that have kept me on a path uh, and have kept me from going down um, mm. diversions. Well, and
2: the diversions are very easy to follow. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very easy for us to, um, you know, get diverted. It may feel like it's an easier way to go, or someone else says, "Oh, this is a great idea." And you know, if someone isn't grounded in their own um, confidence about their business, then you know, like you said earlier, they may be subject to um, the external forces. Right, that, I mean, Right.
3: right. Well, I was just thinking of another one. Like, for instance, the beginning of this year, um, when we were in the middle of the adoption process, um, we had decided to focus in our business on building infrastructure and not to pay attention to revenue. And there was just a rightness about it, even though there got to be a few, a couple scary months, three, four scary months where the, the revenue was less than we were thinking we needed. And we, they were squeakers but we stayed focused, realizing you know what, it just feels right to focus on infrastructure and systems and mm. and support pieces. Mm-hmm. And what's come out of it is this: the company is in a much, much stronger place. Mm. Whereas if I'd done what I've done in the past, which is to focus on revenue when things get like that, um, th- there would have been no possibility for evolution. Mm.
2: Well, you know, and that's such good reminders for so many people. Um, When you don't have the foundation to support what you're trying to create, there is no way to create it. Mm -hmm. And um, I think a lot of business owners get into fall into that trap very easily. And um, and so I've heard you say in the past that things like that then make um, what you're doing less meaningful. And we're going to go to break, but when we come back, I want us to talk a bit about um, finding passion in Hmm. the work. Okay. We'll be right back.
1: Are you ready to become a global citizen of the world? What would it be like to share your future with people of all ages from around the world who have one major thing in common? A commitment to make a difference with no language, religion, or age barriers. Make a difference in this world. Come to Bali this summer for an experience of a lifetime. Awakening global action, a seven-day gathering that will change your world. Call 866-458-2254 or visit our website at www.baliinstitute.org. You are the leader the world has been waiting for. Call today
2: and pundit Michael DeMarco you don't know what's coming next the biggest radio show in the world on Voice America
1: Consulting, developing leaders worldwide.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl.
2: Well, welcome back. We're speaking with Mark Silver, the founder of the Heart of Business. Now, Mark, I've heard you speak before about um, how individuals, though they may look successful on the outside, very often um, they don't have energy, they are burnt out, and they know that this is work they're supposed to be doing, and it all looks good from the outside. But something is missing. Mm. So talk to us a little bit about that.
3: Yeah, well, I think that it's very easy for people to get into a, into a um, state of depletion. And the what you're talking about with depletion, comes it, it leads back to that topic we were talking about earlier around help. It, it often feels, um, especially when people feel like they have a mission in their business, that they're like, oh, this is work I'm supposed to do, they often end up taking a sense of responsibility like, oh, my God, I've got to save the world, unless mm-hmm. at least a lot of people we work with mm-hmm. the the importance of the mission is very high on their, um, you know, very high in their minds in that way. And I mean, it's true. You know, the only reason a business exists or can exist is because it helps to solve a problem. And when you're trying to solve a problem that feels very important or critical to you, um, it's easy to fall into a save the world mentality. Mm-hmm. And this is where the spiritual approach really helps because it allows you to see that. Um, that you're not ultimately responsible. You're showing up. You're doing your part, but you don't have to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. That's not your job, you know. And um, yeah, so that's a that's a that's a huge huge piece of what mm-hmm. what's needed. Well, I know that
2: um, a lot of the work you do is really helping people to get to the purpose and the passion in them, and that. Translating that into their offer, into their business offer, um, is, is a key component of that. And, you know, I've heard people over the years um, who are struggling to define their purpose or to define their passion um, to say, well, you know, if I knew my passion, I would be doing it. And even people who are in uh, corporations who say well it's a job you know it pays the bills and oh I really like it and I'm good at it and you know but am I passionate about it well probably not you know and so I, I'm wondering you know
3: what how do you get people to touch that place in their heart we have an exercise that's called unveiling your jewel and <clears throat> my experience uh has been and my teachers had taught me, you know, that each of us in our hearts we carry a jewel. We carry an expression of divine presence that's uh you know more or less unique to us. You know, other people may have similar qualities but our expression of it is particular and and it has nothing what it has no permanent connection to any particular job or work. Period. You know, it's like passion for me A purpose for me is not found in the world. It's not, you know, whether you're a tinker, a tailor, or a candlestick maker, is not where passion is found, um, or purpose is found. It's like this passion comes in the heart, you know, like, uh, each person has a quality that they're here to express. Perhaps there's a quality of gentleness, or subtlety, Mm. or love, or strength, or wisdom, Mm. or, you know, some aspect of these divine qualities that I was talking about before. Mm -hmm. And, um, and each of our hearts, you know, contain all the qualities, of course, and there's usually one that we have a special relationship with. And, uh, you know, there's an exercise, in fact, that's an exercise in a, a free workbook that we give away on our website because it's such a critical part. When people find that or they become conscious that that's what they're doing and they've been doing all along, one, they realize they need it desperately themselves. They need to receive it, you know, spiritually in their heart and it's something that shows up in all aspects of their life no matter what they're doing hmm. so they don't have to have some grand scheme you know so they don't have to have some high and mighty job they can do something very humble and still feel like they're fulfilling their purpose And what it does is it frees you up that as long as you're expressing that in the confines of your work, you know, in the environment of your work, Mm. and you're letting yourself really express that, you get to choose what you want to do. (laughs) You know, instead of having it be such a weighty decision, oh my God, I've got to find my passion and purpose, and if I do it wrong, I'm wasting my life. It's like, Mm. no, you you can do whatever you want. Do what's what you have some enjoyment of. And if when, you, when it's time to leave it, you can leave it and move on to the next thing without feeling like you're leaving your purpose behind. Hmm.
2: So, you know, I, I think that the concept of purpose really does feel big to people. It really does feel overwhelming. Um, because I, I believe that the conversation around purpose a lot of times comes from... Um, Big thought leaders, you know, that's where we hear it, right? Right. And, and so, and, you know, we know what Gandhi's purpose was, you know, um, we know what Mother Teresa's purpose was. We, when we think about these big figures, well, I in think history,
3: we, we think we know what her ah, there you was, go. but how would they talk about their purpose? Mm. I mean, I think that, you know, when I think about Martin Luther King Jr., for instance, mm. like he's, you know, his, I had a dream speech. I mean, his dream, was about, a, it was a very simple dream at heart. It was about, you know, can the, can the you know, children of slaves and the children of slave owners sit down and share a meal together? Mm-hmm. Very, very simple. Yeah. And it was really about, you know, community and coming together. His purpose, you know, I, I would venture to say, um, I have no idea what, what that man, what the, that great man would say or how he would define his own purpose, but looking from the outside, I might make a guess that, Perhaps his purpose was really about expressing the sense of communion mm-hmm. or the sense of connectedness. And he could do it in almost any context, and it happened to come out in this incredibly beautiful, powerful way that our country was needing at that time mm-hmm. but um, and still needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, this is, so I, I want to continually take the, take the weight of the search for purpose off our shoulders in that way. Sufism talks about purpose in this way, that the entire reason the creation exists is because the divine had a yearning, a longing to be known. Mm. And that longing to be known is what created the creation. Mm. And so our purpose is to know oneness, is to return to oneness. And one of the reasons that I love working in business is because I just have fun with business, Mm -hmm. you know? I just like it. It's fun. It's not, like, weighty on me. But on the other hand, I do have a mission, and I feel like in our culture at this time and place, business and money is one place where people get very disconnected. They forget Mm -hmm. oneness. And if I can help people in the process of being really effective because we get really grounded and practical and nitty-gritty about marketing and business strategy and stuff like that. We do all that work. But if in the process of that I can help people remember oneness and love at each step, Mm. then people are fulfilling their purpose. I'm fulfilling my purpose. We're returning to that sense of communion and connection.
2: Mm. Well, that is a big agenda and a much-needed one. Mark Silver and you are doing an amazing service for all of us in having the courage to stand in your purpose and to bring it forward for you know all of us to hear you know we are so grateful that you've been here this morning so Mark I know people want to know more about you and in the heart of business so how can they learn more and reach you well
3: thank you uh, heartofbusiness.com there's no z just Part of com. We have a website. We have a blog. We have a newsletter. Um, I also write in the business section of the Huffington Post as a blogger. Um, you know, we have a free download uh, that's called Getting to the Core of Your Business. It's a great place to start uh, around finding that jewel. We also have a, a free course online called The Remembrance Challenge, and it's about finding that 15 minutes a day to get connected to your heart for 14 days and see what kind of a difference that makes
2: well that's great Mark Silver thank you for being with us today and remember everyone to think big because the world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters this is Cheryl Esposito